All right. Here we go, y'all. In three, two, one. Happy the Friday the 13th. We got a killer show for you today with some monster topics. We're going to be talking about the show Awake Surgery, where people have major surgery while totally awake. Also, Sunny Hostin of The View is going, to tell, is going to talk about her plastic surgery experience. And lastly, we're going to talk about some COVID vaccine misinformation rumors. It's all coming up right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk. An honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle. With your host, plastic surgeon Dr. Bruce Herman and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer, Sarah Bennett. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome to Nip Talk. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman. With me, as always, co-host Sarah Bennett. Hi. And in the box is the man, the legend, Travis. What's going on, buddy? What's happening? What's happening? Happy, I was about to say happy Friday. Or happy Friday the 13th. There it yes. is. Oh, yeah. I've lost Travis. Can you hear Travis? Yeah. Oh, you can hear him? He said happy Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, I hear him. Wait, you are you there, now? Travis? Check, check. Can you hear no? me? No? All right. We're having a little bit of technical difficulties. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. It may be that so cable. anyway, welcome everybody uh, to the show. We got some good topics today. Before we do that, I always like to see, you know, anything happen interesting with you this week, Sarah? Um, pretty. I, I know you started. A, you have a new a new job. You're doing. Something? Yeah. Yeah. I have. Exciting. I work. I'm back at the corporate life. Nice. Very yeah. Good. You like that? Um. Yeah. I just needed. Um. You know, some more. Uh, options in my yep. life i think i hear you i mean we yeah. all have like i have like tons of jobs that i do you know it's yeah. like i get it like i'm one of those people just like you where it's like i don't just do like my surgery practice i got a bunch of side things. yeah side gigs i mean yeah. you gotta have side hustles right yeah i mean i i, I think i i think that's it's good to you know branch out and how everything's going so that's awesome well i agree i'm really excited for you um, thanks we have, I have a pretty interesting week as well. Like I'm actually looking at, uh, like right now I rent my office space. And so me and another surgeon are actually looking at uh, purchasing a building. Okay, So that cool. we would actually own our office. You know, because right now it's like, kind of like the same thing as like if you're in an apartment and you're renting an apartment, like you're just giving money to someone else, you know, mm -hmm. versus if you own, you know, own your house, then you're your building equity. Right. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. At first when I like first started practicing medicine, I, I was like, man, I just, I'm just trying to like get my feet under me and like, you know, get my practice going. I didn't have to worry about trying to be a building owner, but now with things, you know, you know, that's smoothed out a little bit. I, I think that, uh, it's probably, you know, the best way to go to, to actually own something. And then, yeah. you know, at the end of the, when you're, at, after you go to retire, you can always sell your building or whatever. Right. Is so is the doctor you're gonna you're looking at the other building with? Are y'all gonna have a practice together? Is it gonna be separate? It'll be separate. He's okay. an orthopedic uh, surgeon. Oh, okay. He's an orthopedic and hand surgeon, and so um, we do a little bit of the same thing. Like uh, I'm, I'm sure I've talked about taking the trauma call at mm -hmm. that one hospital. He takes call with me, but we're not like together. I mean, every once in a while we'll like bounce ideas off each other, but I like do you know, mostly plastic surgery in hand, and he does, you know, orthopedics in hand. Mm -hmm. um, but he's a good dude. I really like him. His name's uh, Dr. Tim Larson. He's up in Denton. And, um, yeah, he's kind of on his own, too. You know, a lot of the doctors up where I work are in these big groups, or they're employed by the hospital. So, right. you know, they don't have kind of the freedom to, you know, get their own building or whatever. But we do, and so, yeah, we, we've been looking at one. And I don't know. I think it'll be good. I so, think so. I'm excited about that. It's kind of like a big step, though, right? I mean... Because you have to take out loans, and it's like, man, I just like am getting some of my loans paid off, and now I'm gonna like jump back into like being in debt again. But I mean, you know, it's just it's kind of like buying a house, though, right? It's yeah. It's not a bad idea to buy a house, I, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, most, you can afford it. Yeah. yeah, in most circumstances. So, um, but yeah, so that's exciting. I'll have to keep posted on that. But, for sure. But yeah, and it's been busy for me. Like I've been really busy the last two weeks, like surgery-wise, and like I've been on call a lot. And, um, I think uh, I'm on call like the rest of the day, but like starting tomorrow I'm off. So I'm looking forward to like a chill weekend. Yes, I'm, yeah. I get a three day weekend as Do well, you? yeah. Yeah, I ended up working both Saturday and Sunday uh, last weekend, which 
you know, it wasn't terrible, but like, you know, it just sucks when you think you have a day off and you have to go into work. I say, I mean, I get it. It's my job, right? But you do like to have days off. Yes. So. Anyway, well, Trolvis, uh, can I hear you over the overhead? If you go over the overhead, can I hear you like that? Maybe so. Check, check, oh, there check. we go. Can All you right. hear me? Will that mess us up if you do like that? I think. Uh, we'll try it for a little bit, and then oh, we'll kind well, of. Well, I just hate not hearing from you. Like we have to go the whole like episode, and like <laughs> I can't have you chime hey, in. I'm, I'm used to being voiceless, man. It's okay. It's okay. Did you have a good week, Trovis? I know I you did. said you're you're busy, but yeah, I did. I had a pretty good week. Yeah. Um, I found out. I guess on Monday, this coming Monday, I'll be a part of a parade. I'll a be, parade. Yeah, they have like. A, like on a float? Yeah, basically we have. So I work for a radio station, of course, outside. Right. Yeah. And then we have a like a MLK parade that's happening nice. on Monday, and I'll be in the parade on the float. Like that's so my, awesome. So are you on like a particular like like float for I guess the radio station itself or mm -hmm. what? It is. It's oh, for nice. the radio station. So. So I know you've 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 talked a little bit about your radio show, like. What is the gist of your radio show? Like, like, what's the name of it? Like, what do you guys talk about? So, I am on a show called Dee Dee in the Morning. Um, she is like a local radio uh, personality here, but she's syndicated um, like throughout the country. So, okay. she's in I think like seventy six other uh, like cities. Oh wow! I was about to say states, and then I had to catch myself. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta recount those states. <laughs> yeah, she's in like seventy six other cities. Yeah. But I do that, and then I also have my own show on like uh, Sundays uh, that I do. What's your show about? So it's just basically me like uh, playing music, like intro and music, outro music, like uh, not intro music and outro music, but I introduce music and I talk over music and we just play like hip hop. Basically. You're kidding. Yeah. Have we ever talked about the fact that I'm really into music? Like I uh, make music yeah. and stuff? Yeah. yeah, we talked about your shirts. I'm sure you have one on under your scrubs, like your music shirts. I actually do. I, had to look. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I have a Metallica yeah. shirt on. Exactly. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it sometime. I'm actually doing, uh, making, do you use like DAWs and stuff to mm -mm. do this? Or are you just more playing it? Yeah, so I'm just more so like just introing the music, saying, oh, nice. hey, that was Lil Wayne and Drake or something like that. You awesome, know what I mean? Man. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to have to tune into your show. Like, I, You'll have to give me the info. Let me know when you tune in. I'll give you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. I got you. Right on. All right. Have you guys, so I'm going to move on to our first segment. Okay. And I, I really wish I could remember the person on social media that told me to look this up. I hope they see this. And one, I want to apologize for not remembering your name. I'm going to go look it up and I'll. I'll give you a shout out next time. But I want to thank you for telling me to go look up the show called Awake Surgery. Have you guys heard of this? I've heard of the situation. Right, but I've the never... idea of it. Travis, have you heard of it? I've, not, I've not heard of it before. So this person was telling me about the show and um, I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting. You know, uh, you know. Sounds like a nightmare. Having people be totally awake for surgery. I mean, I mean, I'm going to talk about my experience with that because I actually do have some experience in doing surgeries like this. But, you know, this person on social media was telling me that they were doing these like really like big, big surgeries. And I was like, oh, that didn't, doesn't sound right. And so this week I actually watched. So it just came out. It started like in December and there's three episodes. It's on TLC, I believe. Um, and I watched two episodes and like. I really think I hate everything about this show. Like, <laughs> I, I just have so, I, I hate to be that guy that's like, this is not good, but man, I. Is it just like misinformation or is it just. No, it's, well, and we're, we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, it's, I, I, I don't, I, we'll just have to dive into it. I want to show you. So I, all I did, I didn't want to, you know, show like an episode of the show or anything. Right. I just got a little snippet of their intro, okay. which their intro shows like some of the, um, you know, things that they're doing. And so I, I just want to roll that video. Travis, do we have that one? I'm Dr. Megan Gruber. I'm a board certified plastic surgeon and I specialize in surgery on patients who are completely awake. I've been operating in hospitals and in the operating room for almost 20 years. I found a method that I can do with no general anesthesia and no sedation at all. There are so many procedures that I can do while the patient is awake. You clearly see it's hanging. I would like to have the hourglass shape. My bamboos have to go. There's no limitations. It looks like a man's ball sack. <laughs> awake surgery can really branch out to many more patients who can't go under anesthesia. You're standing up during, during surgery. For patients who are just afraid of anesthesia. Oh, this feels kind of good, like a massage. Best massage of your life. 
<laughs> so anyway, I just want to show like just a little snippet of like what they're doing. I mean, just so you have the idea, right? That you know they're doing, and I didn't. That, that doesn't even get into. I watched two full episodes, and so this is Dr. Gruber in, in of all places, Florida. It seems like every time that like I talk like about something I don't like, it's in Florida. I don't know why. That, I mean, I like. There's Florida. a lot of things I don't like about Florida. I mean, and I, I'll just add to, that to the list. I mean, Florida's a beautiful state, and we used to vacation there a lot. But man, it seems like every time you hear something crazy going on, it's out of Florida. There's, so, a, there's always some, something wrong with somebody if they decide to move to Florida and they're not from Florida. There's like, I don't know. I mean, I like it there. Like, there might be, if you like, I mean, if you go there for vacation, right, totally right. cool. But if you decide to like move there for the rest of your life, I should like reevaluate my life. I don't You're know. a questionable person. So, <laughs> so this is Dr. Gruber. She's a board certified plastic surgeon. Like, so she's totally legit. She's in Florida and she's, and I don't, I cannot believe this is her whole practice. I just can't believe it. But she is doing these pretty major surgeries with zero anesthesia, zero sedation, completely under local anesthesia. And she has a TV show about it. And man, I, I just, there's a lot that I need well, to. Well, it gave me anxiety. Like I usually don't get like uncomfortable watching like surgeries. Yeah. Right. But knowing that they were awake, seeing that they were awake, it made me like <laughs> not want to look at it. It gave yeah. me like, oh. <laughs> so I want to kind of go through some of the things that I, I learned watching the show. Um, I mean, the first thing, and these are quotes directly from, from this doctor. One, she said that there's no limitations on what surgeries can be done awake. Wow. I mean, I, I, I have to disagree with that. that I sounds mean, questionable. I mean... I, you can do a lot with local anesthesia, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't say that you can do any surgery safely. I mean, technically, yes, you could do anything. I mean, heck, you know, in Civil War days, you used to cut off legs with no anesthesia at all, right? So technically, yes, something could be done. But I have a little bit of a, 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 little bit of a problem with that. And then she was saying uh, that awake surgeries branches out to patients that can't go under anesthesia. Mm. So I can imagine that, you know... Because I'm asking, like, why why are you doing this, right? And right. so I, a response that I would have expected someone like that to say is, well, you know, there's patients that can't go under anesthesia, to which I would say, I mean, anesthesia is not like it used to be. You know, 30 years ago, anesthesia had some serious risks. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, I mean, it's like air travel, right? It's like, you know, yes, I mean, theoretically, flying in a plane through the sky is dangerous, but statistically, it's not. Right. Like, it's extremely safe. And when patients come to me, you know, in my office and they say, well, you know, is anesthesia safe, which doesn't happen very often anymore. But when it does, I say, you know, statistically, it's more dangerous to jump in your car and drive to the surgery center and get anesthesia than it is to get the anesthesia, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and, and the other thing I would say is that, I mean, if a patient truly is too sick to go under anesthesia, because there are patients, like, say if somebody was about to have a heart attack, you would never want to put them under anesthesia, mm -hmm. right? Those patients shouldn't be having the procedure anyway, right. you know? So that whole thing about this opens up for people who can't go under anesthesia is, I mean, I don't want to say nonsense, but like, it doesn't really hold water for me. So uh, I may, I may have missed it. How, how exactly are they not, not feeling it? Cause yeah, she was so, going yeah. in kind of tough. So, and thank you. Yeah. Cause I, I kind of got really on my soapbox and I, over, <laughs> I, I glossed over that. So they're using local anesthesia. So you've been to the dentist, right? And they mm -hmm. inject, you know, to do, you know, they inject you with a medicine to numb your teeth, oh, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. It's, it's that on a much grander scale. Uh -huh. They use lidocaine and ropivacaine are the two that I think she's using this type. She was mentioning it in her show. And so, and you can accomplish a lot with that. And, and I'll kind of jump into like my experience with it. Cause I, I'm not somebody that's never done stuff similar to this. I've done facelift and neck lift under mm -hmm. local anesthesia. I've done breast augmentations under local anesthesia, and I've done some liposuction under local anesthesia. In addition to like much smaller things like, um, like mole removals or yeah. something like that. But I'm talking like bigger surgeries. Like facelift neck live is not too uncommon to do under under local uh, liposuction. Breast augs I just did as like an experiment. I mean, not like I'm experimenting on my patients, but like there was a facility here that was doing a lot of facelift and neck lifts under under local, and they they had asked me, can can breast augmentations be done? And I was like, yeah, they can be. It's just a matter of you know how comfortable is the patient going to be, and like how long does it take you? Because mm -hmm. it, it's a much longer procedure to do things under local because yeah. you have to get them numb. 
And I did a couple, and the patients did fine, but I didn't like it, you know, because you'd have to like inject them with local, and then you'd start, and then you get to a point where maybe they were feeling something, you have to inject them with more local. And I did two of them, and I was like, yeah, it can be done, but like I, I just don't see the benefit of it. You yeah. Because that to me, that's the question: is like, why? Like, why are you doing? Why do this? You know, there's not a whole lot of benefits. Um, but you know, my biggest issue is with. With, with that is the level of surgeries they were doing. And I'm gonna kind of go through them, through them all. Um, uh, so I watched her do a gynecomastia pair, the man boobs. Yes. And so, you know, with that one, like, I mean, that's actually a fairly reasonable surgery to do under local, uh-huh. you know. Uh, it, it's not a large area, you can numb it up, you can lipo it, you can take up the skin. I mean, I don't have a problem with the fact that she, she did that under local, but the, the, I had some other problems, like one, they didn't have the patient on a monitor at all. So like, you know, when you're in surgery, they at least monitor your heart rate, your blood pressure, that kind of thing. So there's no monitors, but then they had the patient stand up and the patient got woozy and literally collapsed. Like, and they put this on TV. Like if you, if you have a patient in a, in a facility like a hospital or surgery center and they fall, like that's a reportable event to the state. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and they had these patients like stand up while they're you know watching themselves get cut open and this guy just like went you know he went down and like he fell into the bed so he wasn't like hurt but wow i was just i just couldn't believe that they put that on tv did, I, he, did he fall because like of i guess the the procedure they were doing or did he fall because he was seeing it like happen like and he i'm just not sure out? yeah i'm not sure it could have been it could have been he got too much local anesthesia because that's to me that's like the big one and um i guess i'll jump into that right now you know, one of the biggest issues with doing surgeries under local anesthesia is there are toxic levels of these drugs. Mm-hmm. Like lidocaine and ropivacaine are deadly right. if you give people too much. Now, fortunately, you don't go from I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine to I'm dead. You go from like I'm fine to I feel kind of drunk to I feel kind of sleepy. And then like you can get into these heart arrhythmias and then that's when things get really, really dangerous. Yeah. And so when I was doing a little bit more local surgery, you know, the biggest kind of barrier to doing it is, you know, how much local anesthesia can you safely give the patient? And there's formulas for that. And, and I just found that it, it can be quite a balancing act to give a patient enough local anesthesia that they're comfortable, but without hitting that dosage that's, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going on i'm going to talk about some more surgeries they did some really big surgeries and they didn't have people on monitors like if you're giving someone a drug that can potentially you know put you into an arrhythmia a heart arrhythmia i just really feel like there should be a little bit more monitoring. yeah it just sounds like they're pushing the limit on something that really doesn't need to be tested yeah like there's I no mean, reason then, for it you know the other thing that i found when i was doing things under local is I mean, I think without question, it adds a level of risk and danger when a patient can unexpectedly move on you. Yes. You know, especially with things like liposuction. I remember one time I was doing some spot lipo on somebody and it was just a small amount. So not something that really, you know, was a large thing or that I thought was like, you know, unsafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she, was, she was numbed up really well. And I, I got somewhere that she didn't have enough anesthesia and she jumped. And you know, this is while I'm doing liposuction. And if, if, if someone jumped enough, you could potentially cause an injury yeah. that would never happen if the patient was asleep. And so, you know, you have the risk of the local anesthetics. Um, you have the risk of patients moving. I mean, I just to me, like having a patient be completely awake for for major surgery just adds too much risk. And and in my in my opinion, no benefit. You know, yeah. what is the benefit of having the patient be awake? The whole argument of like anesthesia is not safe, does not hold water. You know, I guess if you have like patient, you know, request, I mean, cause I do like to honor patients requests mm-hmm. when I can. And if I have surgeries where local is an option, I absolutely will do it. Even if it means it inconveniences me a bit because you know, they're awake. Yeah. But if it's, if it's going to add risk because the surgery is too big, then I, I personally have a problem with it. Yeah. So, so she did, she did a gynecomastia repair. Oh, the other thing they had family in the OR, which man, I, I just don't know if that's a great idea with major surgery. You know, 
if somebody were to have an event where something unexpected happened and they started to like rapidly bleed or they started to have an event where it was like an emergency. I mean, having a family member in that scenario is a super, super bad idea. I mean, it can actually hinder a physician's ability to administer, you know, life-saving care. Mm -hmm. So I, I just had a lot of issues with it. You know, I had the issue with no monitors. I had the, there was, there was like not a lot of sterility going on. I mean, I know that they prepped them, but like when I do surgeries, we prep it. We drape everything out with sterile towels to, you know, kind of cordon off the area that's going to be sterile and you don't move them around. They'd have people get up, move around. I mean, you're, you, you lose your sterile field and, and without question, you know, that does increase risk of infection. And, and maybe she's never had one. I'm just kind of seeing the things that I, that kind of come to my mind when this is happening. Yeah, so, it just seems really scary. Is this the first season? <laughs> this is the first season. I I cannot imagine that this show is going to have another <laughs> season. Up. Like I'm, I'm I'm wondering if it's even. They're going to be on the news. I wonder if it's even going to finish. Like, I was watching this, just thinking, wow, there's just so so much to see here. So that much really wrong. Doesn't, doesn't need to be seen. Yeah. I hate to say it, but I, I mean, you know, I. And maybe she has the best outcomes ever. I don't know. I just, for me, I like to be as safe as possible. And I was uncomfortable watching some of those things. Well, um, personally, just having a C-section and being awake during that process, like yeah. I would never opt to be awake during a surgery. Yeah. That was so... I mean, at least with a C-section, yeah, It gave me so much spinal. anxiety. So I don't know why somebody would want to be awake and be either. like, present as somebody's like cutting into your skin the other it's thing is so weird i know it's crazy right so <laughs> that watched another surgery where they did a brachioplasty brachioplasty is like where they take out the extra yeah. skin of the arm and the doctor literally halfway through the surgery said i don't know if the patient's going to be able to finish the surgery hmm. i mean how could you say something like that i mean and the patient was just like nah, like just like, well because the patient was uncomfortable <laughs> okay <laughs> you know the patient yeah. was uncomfortable and so the doctor's like oh, i don't know if the patient's gonna be able to finish surgery it, it, and and perhaps that was just for drama you know for the show yeah I for mean, tlc <laughs> I, I don't know but like that is like one of the biggest you know potential problems of a, another potential problem of doing something under local anesthesia the patient can't tolerate the surgery suddenly you have them open you have a huge like they're they're time. open and then yeah. what you have to transport them by ambulance to the emergency department and then take them to surgery i mean it's just there's yeah. a lot of potential badness that that could happen mm. they had a patient uh in there for for lipo the neck which i've actually done that under local i mean it's it's a little anxiety inducing because you don't want the patient to move, you know, when you're liposuctioning the neck. Yeah. And so you have to make sure the patient's going to be okay. And, uh, but what, what really caught me on that one is the patient's family member said that they were sensitive to like blood and they still brought them in the OR. So then you have the potential of somebody like passing out in the OR mm -hmm. and like hurting themselves. The big one though, is they did a, um, well, they did both the paniculectomy, which is a massive skin removal of the abdomen is kind of half of an abdominoplasty, mm -hmm. which she called an abdominoplasty, which is not what she did. She did a paniculectomy, which was really weird for a plastic surgeon to mislabel procedure. I don't, I'm not sure that means anything. My issue was it took them two days to do the surgery. They couldn't do it all in one day. And I'm sure that was because of the anesthesia. Issue. Yeah. They could not give her enough local anesthesia safely to do it. So they had to do it over two days. They didn't have her on a monitor. I mean, these are surgeries where patients have fluid shifts where they can actually, you know, have cardiac symptoms from the amount of tissue you're moving or the amount of fluid you're giving or the amount of blood loss, mm -hmm. no monitor, nothing like that. I mean, it was wild. I, I had a lot of issues with that show. Um, I didn't even watch it and I have so many issues. Um, and, and maybe <laughs> I'm just being like overly cautious. Uh, but I mean, I feel that as a plastic surgeon, we should not be afraid to say that I don't know if this is safe, you know? Yeah. And you see that in every hospital signs that say, if you feel something's unsafe, say something. And that's what I'm having to do. Like, I just have serious questions about that. And I know I'm not alone. I know if I like sent, <laughs> sent that video to some of my plastic surgery colleagues, they would be like, what in the world is going yeah. on? Cause I that's wonder where is the, the pool that they find the people from well, that, oh, that like agree to it. Thank you so much. Cause that's another thing. Cause now they're getting medical tourism. 
which you know how I feel about medical tourism. Oh, I got you. Yeah. There are people in the United States that yeah. don't want to have anesthesia for whatever reason, and now they're flying there wow. and doing the surgery. Is it just like just weirdos that just like don't like want to see the the surgery like they like want I don't know to what see the it or is. something some of them a lot of the people and i did watch two, they... i watched two full episodes a lot of the people said i just am scared of anesthesia you know which Eesh. i get that you know but i feel like as a doctor you should step in it, it, for bigger surgeries little stuff sure do it under local that's fine for bigger right. surgeries step in and say you know what i understand your fears but statistically it's more risky to do it under local than it is to do under anesthesia. I mean, mm -hmm. no, I would love for that doctor to come on the show and, and us talk about it in a very cordial way, just because I have serious questions, you know? About yeah. Um, Maybe if they have an email or something, like reach out to them and be like, hey, I have a podcast, you should come on sometime. <laughs> I would love for her to come out. Yeah. I mean, she seems like, you know, nice. And I was looking at her results and, you know, I mean, you know, uh, acceptable plastic surgery results. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, wow. Just the whole thing about, you know. But like an unnecessary route to like get there. I, that's a good way to put it. It is. It's an unnecessary route yeah. to get that result that you want. And and I don't know, like, you know, is she doing it to make a niche? I mean, that happens literally all the time in plastic yeah. surgery where people will say, oh, I'm the awake surgeon doctor, you know, knowing that there's enough people out there. Kind of like how you want to be the elf ear doctor. I, like, <laughs> I want to be the elf ear doctor. Exactly like that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and so I don't know if it's that or I I would love to talk to her and ask her, why are you doing yeah, this? Yeah, like what's like what's the point? Yeah, it's you know? the, and, the and point. I'm sure the point is to be on TLC. It potentially, and it could be that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate to say it, but it could be that you know, oh, we'll give you your TV show if you do this thing. Mm -hmm. To which, if somebody told me, if somebody told me, I'll give you a million dollars to to do this show. And, you know, you have to do X number of episodes, but you have to do these surgeries. I'd be like, you got to be kidding me. You want me to do that and you're going to put it on TV? No way. Like, I'm out. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You, you should watch an episode. It's pretty wild. I mean, and, and it's worse being... I could barely watch it. Like, whenever you the showed the intro, I was like... The worst part is ugh. being like a plastic surgeon and seeing these things and just like, oh, man. Yeah, I've never... I haven't been like that kind of just concerned about <laughs> something i've seen in a while i just like it's like everything i hate everything about this yeah anyway awake too. surgery check it out it's on tlc you can go watch it for free i think i've watched it for, i don't know if i have like a subscription or what but i i just pulled it up and it, it yeah playing. i'm sure there's all kinds of stuff yeah. that they can watch all right awake surgery i i think and i'm just going to end with there are plenty of surgeries that can be done under local with no anesthesia my concern is mostly for these really big surgeries they were they were doing yeah you know so, the big ones. All right. Leave me a comment. Wake surgery. If you've seen it, you like it, tell me what you think about it. I'd love to hear about it. Okay. I'm moving on. We're moving on. Good. <laughs> you know, the viewer watched the show, The View? Yes. I never watched The View. I mean, I, I don't watch it like it's, consistently. It's during the day, right? I don't know. <laughs> I've seen I maybe know of some of it. I mostly know of The View because I hear like people talk either good or bad about it. You know, it's like, oh, something happened on The View. Mm -hmm. you know? Is Whoopi Goldberg on The View? She is. I was going to yeah. ask you guys, can how many people can you name that's on The View? Isn't Raven from That's So Raven on there? Yeah, still? I think she's What's her on name? There. Is uh, it Raven? Raven, Raven Simone is Raven her name. Simone. And then yeah. Joy, not on anymore. She's oh, she's here? not? Joy Behart? Yes. Oh, she's on there. Right. Um, Whoopi. Yeah. I couldn't name the other. I've so still, I could name. Sunny. Yes, there you go. Sunny <laughs> yeah. Austin, yeah. So I could have named Whoopi, Joy Behar, and I've heard of Sunny um, uh, Hostin. There's three more. I didn't know there were six. Oh, wow, three. Uh, Anna Navarro, Sarah Harris, or no, sorry, Sarah Haynes, and Alyssa Griffin. I don't know who those people are. I never heard of them. I just don't, it's not my thing. I just am not like a view watcher. Anyway, so yeah. the reason we're talking about the view is uh, Sonny Hostin, who's one of the hosts of The View, uh, did an interview with People Magazine just this past week, and she was talking about how much she loved her plastic surgery. And I was okay. like, wow, that's really interesting, you know, because most celebrities don't, you know, talk about plastic surgery, or they will say that they had a bad experience. And I was like, wow, I wonder, you know, what she had done that she, she loved so much. And so that's, you know, I, I got interested in seeing it. And so she did a breast reduction 
And she said she had a breast reduction, but she also had some liposuction. And she loved it so much, she just wanted to talk about it. And so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got a quote from her. It says, I thought I would feel uh, shame, like, oh my God, I'm doing plastic surgery like all these crazy celebrities, but I don't feel shame at all. And I hope sharing my story will help more people. If they're feeling so body conscious the way I was, they can go do what they need to do and feel better. And when, you know, in reference to plastic surgery, she said, I wanted to be honest and I'm so happy I did it. I was like, well, that's so nice. And so, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I, I wanted to kind of just talk about that a little bit because of course I want to know what she had done. You know, it's like what plastic surgery procedure did she have done that made her so ecstatic? And if I had to have guessed, I would have guessed that breast reduction might be one of them. I've, every time somebody gets a breast reduction, they're always like, thank God. I agree with that. You know, um, I actually, I honestly built my practice doing breast reductions. Um, when I moved up to where I'm at now, for some reason, the guys who were there were not doing a lot of them. And there was a, just a ton of people that wanted them. And I was doing two or three a week forever. And this mm -hmm. is back when insurance would pay for them, which we'll talk about in a minute. It's kind of changed. So Sunny went from reportedly a G cup down to like a C slash D cup, which is a pretty, that's a pretty impressive reduction. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, well, I found it interesting though, that the People Magazine quote, they were quoting the cost of having the surgery, which, you know, they're, they're basically acknowledging that you, you know, you can't get it covered by insurance anymore, yeah. which, you know, we'll talk about in a sec, but they were saying a breast reduction costs anywhere from 10,000 to $30,000. Like where are they getting $30,000 for breast reduction surgery? I want to move there like right now. Go to LA, I guess. So like, uh, in my practice, uh, if, if it's out of pocket, which they, they mostly are these days, I asked that, I asked my office manager, it's for everything all in, 9,000. So we're actually under like their, their lowest range, which is good. Uh, and that actually has just gone up. You know, we, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but with all of the inflation stuff, the, the cost of plastic surgery has gone up about 30% in the last year. Yeah. My, I mean, are breast reductions more expensive or cheaper than breast augmentation? Like, a... they're actually fairly comparable because with breast augmentation, you have to pay for the implants, mm -hmm. which are around $2,000, depending on which kind you get. But the difference is that breast reduction doesn't have the implants, but it's a longer surgery. Yeah. It's about twice as long to do a breast reduction. So the costs are fairly close. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what we're getting for augmentations now, but it's, I think it's a little bit less than that, but not like yeah. half of that. Yeah, mine was definitely cheaper. Yeah. But my, I got You had yours done like a while back, right? 10. 11 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 10, 11 years. Like 11, and you did saline, right? Mm hmm I mean, saline implants 10 years ago, you could probably get the whole thing done for three or 4,000. Yeah, yeah, it was around there. Nowadays, no, no way. It, not around here, maybe like somewhere sketchy, like you Florida? Still, yeah, Florida, <laughs> if you're awake. <laughs> if you're awake. Sorry. Gross. Awake. Ew. All right, so yeah, anyway, so it was funny, they were quoting these like insane prices, like. $30,000 for breast reduction surgery, eight to $30,000 for liposuction. I guess that's Beverly Hills or New York City. Maybe yeah. we're getting that much money there. That's, I, yeah, that's what I'm like. We're not getting that California. much money, at least where I'm at. Now, the closer you get to downtown Dallas, the prices do go up. Uh, so for me, it's around, I think, 9,000 all in. I mean, if you were in like downtown Dallas, it'd probably be closer to 12, I would guess. You know, it does, does go up if you get closer to the city. So I just want to talk just for a second about breast reduction surgery, because what you said is exactly right, that, you know, most people who have that surgery just love it. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about the reasons why, why that is. Um, cause I've heard so many times in the patients I've done breast reduction surgery on, Oh, I wish I had done this, you know, 10 years ago. And you know, this is the greatest thing ever. I hear that literally all the time. And that's why I kind of struck a chord whenever she, you know, went on to say that because my experience with that is the same. Yeah. So breast reduction surgery accomplishes three things very well. It reduces the breast size which is yeah. good. It reshapes the breast because a lot of times when the breasts get large, the shape, that nice kind of form starts to get lost a little bit. Yeah. And it also lifts the breast. Mm -hmm. So you're doing three really important things. Uh, you know, the biggest thing that patients will tell you after they get it done is any strain that they had on their neck, shoulders, back or whatever it's is so gone good. instantaneously. Like mm -hmm. when they wake up, they're like, wow, I feel so much better already, even though I just came out of surgery. Yeah. 
And, and that's, I think, one of the biggest reasons that people like it is, you know, most people that are coming in for breast reduction are at the very minimum a double D. You don't get a lot of people in the D range coming for it. And when the breasts get that large, just the weight of them starts to cause stress, you know, shoulders, neck, back. And then also the fact that the breasts hang farther away from people also puts even more strain. Mm -hmm. I always give people this example when they come in for breast reduction surgery. It's like half of the surgery is just bringing them where they belong. Because if I was to take this coffee cup and hold it like this, I could probably hold it here for a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. But eventually it's going to start, you know, causing discomfort to yeah. me because it's not in a very, you know, ideal location. If I were to take this coffee cup and put it right here, I can hold it for a day, mm -hmm. you know, because it's less stressful. And that's one of the reasons that breast reduction surgery is, is so beneficial in taking that pain and stress off. Um, and then people always look better. As long as the surgeon is good, people always look better after breast reduction. Mm -hmm. Always. The shape gets better, just the position of the breasts. Um, it has a pretty easy recovery. Uh, you know, people, when I describe the surgery to people in a consult and I say, oh, well, you know, I take the breast apart and I move the tissue and then I cut off the skin and I close everything up. People are like, wow, I'm going to need to take like a month off work. No. I mean, at the end of the day, when you do a breast reduction, you're operating on skin and fat. And when you operate on skin and fat, there's just not that much recovery, even if it's fairly involved. That's so, good. The last thing I always say about it is uh, that if you're going to shop around for a breast reduction, that you should find a surgeon that does what's called a short scar breast reduction. You know, nowadays there are two very distinct ways that this surgery is done. There is that the anchor pattern called the Y's or the keyhole uh, that's been around for about 100 years. And then there's the short scar variants that have been around mm -hmm. for about 20 years. And I was initially trained to do the kind of classic way. And then when I did a fellowship in breasts, I was taught how to do the short scar. And that's all I do anymore. Yeah. I would never do the old school way because the risk of healing problems is so much higher. You know, uh, the short scar gives you about half the scar and it gives you just a tiny fraction of the risk of healing issues. Yeah. So if you're makes out sense. there. Makes sense. I said makes sense. Yeah. I mean, short, you know, I mean, surgery in general moves towards being less invasive. Yeah. And so, you know, plastic surgery is no different. And that's just one, you know, one example of, you know, in plastic surgery, how we're making things easier with less risk by it's actually harder to do it that way you know because people always ask me when they come in for a consult oh well if this way is so great why does the other way exist well it's actually more challenging it's more it's just, cha more challenging for a doctor it's, yeah well, yeah definitely more challenging yeah. i mean i i had to do about 50 of those short scars before i really felt comfortable with it because of the fact that it's less mechanical step by step and more artistic you know it is a very artistic surgery where if you don't have the eye for it, you can get off the path and end up having an outcome that you, you know, may yeah. not want. So, but yeah, I really, I appreciated the fact that she went on and said all those nice things, you know, because one, I mean, it, you know, it's interesting to me because I do those surgeries and, and two, I think it's good that people, you know, hear that it is okay to do things, you know, to improve upon yourself and not feel stigmatized by it. You know, I think nowadays, not as many people feel the stigma of, oh, I had plastic surgery, but some people might. Mm -hmm. And for her to come out and say that, oh, I did this thing and it was just such a great experience. I, I think one is, is you know, I don't want to say brave, but, you know, it's big of her to do that. Yeah. I mean, she could have not said anything. And uh, I, I think she's doing it in a, in a good place of wanting to help people. And I, I just admire that. So. Yeah. That's a good story, though. Yeah, it is a good story. It's it's nice to have like a plastic surgery celebrity story where it's not like some disaster. Yeah, like you know? what's wrong with her face? <laughs> oh my God, what happened to this person? No, yeah. this is a feel good story. Yeah. For Friday the Thirteenth. It's a bright side. Yeah, it's a yeah. bright side. All right, we got one more segment, and this one's controversial, and I want you guys to weigh in. So we're gonna be talking about COVID. Okay. Well, COVID vaccines, actually. So. Um, I'm actually like a good person to talk about this because I am not on any fence or camp when it comes to vaccines. I, I, in fact, I, I hate to say this, I don't take the flu vaccine. I know I've actually come on the show and say that it's a good thing to take it, and it, mm -hmm. it really is. You know, the reason I don't take the flu vaccine is basically that the hospitals try to mandate that you take it, and my response is that, well, some years it's only 10% effective. Why would I take a shot if it's only 10% effective? And so it kind of became a thing for me where I didn't, I felt like hospitals were robbing people of their autonomy. 
Um, and so I kind of said, I'm going to take a stand. I'm not going to do this. And I've done that, and I've stuck to it. And, and I'm very careful. I, I don't think, to my knowledge, I've never had the flu. Um, so my point in all that is, you know, I'm not this person that's like saying, oh, you know, go take every vaccine that anyone offers because it's the greatest thing ever and there's no risks. Um, you know, I, I look at each thing and I say, okay, is this, is this effective? Okay. Is it, does it have, you know, low risks? Mm -hmm. And then I make the decision of, okay, for me, my decision, do I want to take this? You know, I'm, I'm against mandates of any sort. You know, I'm very kind of like a libertarian leaning person where I don't want people to be forced to do anything. Yeah. But when it came to the COVID vaccine initially, you know, back in 2021, uh, I was actually all on board with it, you know, because one, I kept up with all the COVID stuff mm -hmm. because I had to make policy for a hospital for it. And so I had to keep up with all the studies. And so I was following the trials for the COVID vaccine and I actually read them. I didn't just like look at the sheet. I read the studies that said, you know, the effective rate was like 95% and there wasn't like any big risk profile. So I was like first in line to take the vaccine. I took the first one, I took the second one, I took a booster. And I know for a fact that it, it helped me to not get COVID. You know, I had some very, very high risk exposures to COVID. My daughter got COVID like uh, before she could be vaccinated. And I didn't know she had COVID. And she was like literally like right up against me for like two days when my wife was gone. I didn't get it. I mean, I know that it like, you know, did some, it was effective for me. Yeah. So of course with COVID, things have changed so much in the past two years. You know, all the new variants came out. Do you guys keep up with this COVID stuff? I mean, yeah. a little bit. I mean, I had to because of like owning a business and like yeah, you had to like right. close the store or like right. if you had yeah. to wear masks and stuff. Oh yeah, it really stuff. affects people, right? Yeah. Well, with the COVID, the virus, it's it's got a lot of new variants now, which is very common for viruses to like mutate and mm -hmm. change. And so, you know, you're seeing nowadays the vaccines are not quite as effective as they used to be. I mean, truly the initial series of the vaccines, at least the Pfizer one was like 95% effective at preventing transmission. And it's like, oh, that's a no brainer, right? Like, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you take that? Especially when COVID was like literally, you know, murking people. Yeah, I just got the first two. I didn't get any you of the other stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I mean, back then it was an easy decision. And so, you know, nowadays, like I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about it. You know, I think that, and, and this isn't the conversation we're about to have, but I mean, when it comes to, should you take the vaccine now? I mean, in the past, I think it was a no brainer. And now I think it's like, well, you know, the effective rate's gone down. It's not 95% anymore. It's somewhere 30, 40, 50%, which is, you know, kind of like what the flu vaccine is. And we have found that there are some risks now, you know, the way that vaccine trials work is when they're trying to vaccine, you know, they'll have like, I think in this, the initial trial for COVID was like 50,000 people, something around that range, okay? You're not gonna find every possible thing that can happen in that small of a number. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they continue studies as the vaccines roll out to the general populace. And so there's two things that I've found, you know, with COVID that are kind of new information. And one is the risk of myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the heart. Okay. And the other is a vaccine-induced thrombolic um, thrombocytopenia, which basically means you start to clot when you shouldn't. Okay. Now, these risks are very, very, very low. In fact, both of the risks of those bad outcomes are much, much lower than if you actually got COVID. Okay. You know, it, like, you, like, say, for example, myocarditis, which, you know, that's not like a nothing problem, but it's not like a fatal problem generally. Right. You're much higher risk of getting myocarditis if you actually get COVID versus taking the vaccine for COVID, like by a factor of 10 or something, right? Mm -hmm. So you can look at those things and be like, okay, there's some minor risk, but you know, should I not take this? Well, what's happened is I think that a lot of people who were very upset about lockdowns and mass mandates have really kind of made this like force of the vaccine is really, really bad. And I've seen it a lot on social media lately. And so my question for you guys is, have you seen this kind of like blowback on the vaccines that's happening? Or is it not something you've been exposed to? No, I haven't really, I mean, honestly, I haven't like thought about COVID in a while. <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably the best. Yeah. Travis, have you seen any of this stuff? I've seen, I've seen a lot of it. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of it. Even with the past situation that happened with, uh, Damar Hamlin. Yes. I, like it was. Yes. A, it was a lot of people, like a lot of sector of people, saying that it was because of that. So, of the COVID vaccine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did he get it? I guess. 
Right. Yeah. Because I mean, the NFL. I think. I think the NFL mandates that the players take the vaccine. Some and so did. when it's is it is it Demar or Lamar? Uh, it's Demar. Demar. Okay. Uh-huh. So when Demar had his event, which I was actually very interesting, he had. I mean, most people, most physicians agree, he had something called commodo, commodo cortis, which is where you take a blow to the heart at exactly the wrong time, which puts you into an arrhythmia, which causes your heart to stop beating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that is a demonstrated thing. It happens about 20 times a year in the United States. Yeah. It's very rare, but it's a very well-documented thing. Right. Everyone kind of thinks that's what happened to him, and it yeah. makes sense. Like, he took a blow to the heart, stood up, passed out. I mean... Even though it's rare, that's probably going to be yeah. your answer. Right. But you're right, Travis. Like, that was one. Like, and now it's like anytime any person on TV or the media has anything happen, there's this group of people that are saying, oh, it's because of the vaccine. Right. And what makes it worse is there's a bunch of like healthcare professionals and other people who are playing into that with really, really bad data. And I see it mostly on Twitter because Twitter's a little bit looser on like what people can, you know, post. post yeah. And so, um, so like there's like a Dr. Richard Fleming, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Pierre Corey, this guy who's not even a doctor named Alex Berenson. Like these people are actually profiting from pushing like bad information about the vaccines. And what they do is like they, you know, Something will happen. They'll make a post about, oh, COVID vaccines killing this number of people. And they're saying, come to my Substack and get a subscription and learn the truth. Mm-hmm. And, or come read my book about, you know, why the COVID vaccine is killing all these people. And so, you know, of course, when all these questions came up, I started like looking into the data. I mean, it's just not there. I mean, I know how to read data. I used to do research studies for years. I would, you know, review research papers to like see like, are they legit or not? Mm-hmm. And the data that these people present is, I mean, it's either wrong or just purely fabricated data. And so the reason I wanted to bring it up is what's what made me kind of like, I mean, one, I hate people profiting off misinformation. I mean, that just bugs me that somebody says, oh, I'm a doctor, listen to me, but then they push bad information to like make money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just literally the worst of the worst in my opinion. But what really kind of, more annoyed me is now you have people that took the vaccine that are like afraid you know they're like oh well, I, I took the vaccine do i need to go yeah they think they're at risk for something right they think they're at risk for something that they're not at risk for yeah and so i wanted to just like you know do a little segment on that um and i'm not like you know like i said i'm not in any camp i'm not pro-vaccine i'm not anti-vaccine i'm what does the science say what does the literature say yeah. on this and Yes, we have found that there are some, you know, things that were not initially known about the vaccine that can happen, but they're very, very, very rare and not causing these problems that all these people are are claiming they are. Right. You know, I always say, like, if somebody's saying something that's, you know, not mainstream, like, why would they do it? Well, in this instance, they're they're making money off of it. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know, it just, it kind of bothers me. I would just want to bring it up. You know, if you're out there, I mean, some people won't change their mind. There are people out there that will hear me talk and be like, oh, well, he's, he's like a shill for the pharmaceutical people or Mm -hmm. he's getting money. I mean, I'm not, I get nothing. I don't care if people take vaccines. I mean, I want people to be safe, but like, I'm not going to tell someone to go get a vaccine. I don't get any money for someone taking a vaccine. And, And honestly, I probably will not take another booster for COVID and, and not because of these risks really, but because of the fact that one, the COVID variants are not as dangerous. Yeah. They're not, people are not dying like they used to be from COVID. Uh, two, the efficacy, meaning how, what your percentage chance of being immune has just gone down and down and down. And so I'm really on the fence, you know, I may or may not take another booster uh, for COVID. So, you know, yeah, just seems kind of like unnecessary. I don't know. I mean, I think for some people, and I, I really, I want to see more data, like, okay, with these new variants, like does taking the vaccine mean that sick person will not get a sick and, and die? I, I do think that that data still holds up. Meaning if you have somebody like, you know, my mom, she's 86 years old. Yeah. Like having a pre-existing conditions. Right. She's yeah. high risk if she were to get COVID. So you know, for her, even though the efficacy rate's much lower, I probably would still tell her it's probably a good idea to get it because any protection's better than none. Yeah. None, yeah. right? 
you know, for me, I'm kind of on the fence about it, but I just wanted to like, you know, say that a lot, there's a ton of misinformation out there about it. And, and if you see a study that says something, you have to question these studies. I mean, it is a fallacy to believe that any study you read is accurate. People will make up data, they'll misrepresent data. You know, it's, it's hard to believe that that stuff happens, but it does. I mean, I yeah. see it literally all the time. So, you know, talk to your own doctor about it if you have questions, you know, that's the best place to go. Because it can be, social media is a bad, bad place to get medical information, as we do a talk show about medicine. Yeah. <laughs> as we do a talk show about medicine, it's not the best place to get Yeah, but you always like talk but, to your doctor. Yeah, talk to your doctor. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I just wanted to talk about that because it was something I'd seen a lot of. And it seems like it's getting worse. Like every time I turn around, it's like, oh, so-and-so, you know, had this bad outcome because of the vaccine. So, yeah. Anyway. What do you think, Travis? Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really like feed into it. I think, yeah. like you said, there are new things that we are learning about the vaccine and like yeah, the definitely. boosters and everything. But I, I don't put 100% stock in a lot of the stuff that I see on social media. So that's definitely yeah. not, I don't get my health information from there. You yeah. know what I mean? So I know. It's definitely not one of the things that I'm like subscribing to. Yeah. But I, I, I just wonder if anybody had seen it. Like I just, mm -hmm. maybe it's because I follow a lot of medical stuff on Probably. social media. I just see it all the time. Like, oh my God, it's like everywhere. And I'm not going to lie, like in the African-American community, like it, it, it's, um, it's a big conversation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it really is. It really yeah. is. And I think it's an important conversation to have, but a lot of times you have to take a lot of stuff with a grain of salt and just use, you know, discernment, yeah. Yeah. best judgment. So. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, um, you know, people are like, people that are worried. I mean, another thing I say is like 98% of physicians took the vaccines willingly, mm -hmm. you know, because we looked at the data on it. And I don't have any physician friends that are now like, oh, and I'm so worried about, you know, this stuff. Like, it's just not a real thing, at least in the medical community. Yeah. Know? I mean, obviously, keep doing the research, see if anything pops up. But I mean, as of right now, it's not there. Right. So anyway, all right. That was our controversial topic for today. We're probably going to get some hate mail for that. I hope we Absolutely. do. I, hey, you know, hate mail is good, too. If you Haters. think I'm wrong, tell me. I'd love to hear it. So, <laughs> All right, you guys. I think that's about all the time we have. Thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week on Nip Talk.